Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. How many of you know that whenever God's Word is coming forth, it's not a seminar? It's not a nice motivational talk. It's not something that is cool to hear. It's life that comes to you when God's word is being taught. John chapter 6 and verse 6 to 3, he says, The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that quickens. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. So every time you come in contact with God's word, you're coming in contact with spirit and life. So you've got to hallow what's about to happen in your heart because I believe God has a word for you in service today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. You know, this is such a huge concept. The concept of resurrection. It's huge. It's massive. It's like Minister Jola has rightly said. Can we celebrate that powerful session? You know, it's, it's laced through all essential stories in the canon. You know, the, the idea of resurrection, the possibilities for resurrection, the concept of resurrection, the, you know, illustrative elements of resurrection, the foreshadowing of resurrection, everything. It's, it's so powerful how it's laced through all the most powerful stories in scripture. And we must never take it for granted. It's really, really powerful. You know, there's so many angles I could start from today, but the Lord would have us just, you know continue from where we ended last week because it's amazing how he orchestrates these things we've been talking about love and it's so beautiful how this teaching just dovetails with the concept of love amen, amen. hallelujah amen. and of course love is an expression of our desire for wisdom remember for paul so let's just do a bit of you know going back to our notes and just reestablish these truths Remember, we talked about this two Sundays ago, how that before Paul began to pray for the Ephesians to be endowed with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, he had to investigate to ensure that they had within their ranks faith and love. And so the moment he was able to establish that, and we also established that last week in Colossians 1 for the exact same narrative, how that they had faith and then they had love and he began to pray some types of prayers for them. And so it was not just prayers, he just started praying for them because he loved them. No, 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 it was not sufficient that he loves you, so he starts to pray these powerful prayers for you. He needs to establish that you have faith in the Lord Jesus, and then love for the saints, and then you have the capacity to handle the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then we began to really investigate what love really meant. James chapter 3 began to explore to us what this wisdom is about. This, this wisdom that we're looking for is, is deeply um, a love matter. It's, it's not something that you, you see as an intellectual substance from God. So when God blesses you with wisdom, um, yes, of course, it may have its intellectual components and expressions, but it's essentially a love expression. Wisdom of God is a love expression, and that's why the Bible says it is peaceable, it's gentle, it's full of good fruit, it's full of mercy, all right? It is without partiality, it's without hypocrisy, and all these things in J James chapter 3. From verse 16, 17, 18. He also talks about how that uh, where there's envy and there's strife, there's confusion and every evil work, which are manifestations of the sensual, devilish, and earthly wisdom, not the one that comes from above. The one that comes from above is pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. It doesn't have all of those ulterior motives, negative intentions, and incentives. This love 
or rather this wisdom is love induced hallelujah and that is how you step into realms of wisdom and revelation and so how you step into wisdom and revelation you know, the, the, the Ephesians were not the ones praying that prayer for themselves, if you notice. So that means you can stumble into wisdom and revelation by walking in love. Amen. So they, they will just realize that their expressions of the spirit of wisdom and revelation continue to increase to the extent that love was abounding in their hearts. Because it was Paul that was praying for them, essentially. They were not the ones sort of praying for wisdom and revelation. Because even if they had been praying for wisdom and revelation, God would have checked their faith and their love walk. And so if you can walk by faith and have a very vibrant love walk, you will be stumbling into dimensions of wisdom and revelation. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so love is a very essential component to, to discuss when we begin to explore the concept of wisdom. And there's something resurrection, there's a part resurrection has to play in our expression of this very powerful concept called wisdom. Amen. Another thing I need to just establish again is that, you see, there are two agencies that execute for God. Two agencies. Someone say two agencies. Yes, there are two agencies that execute for God. The agency of his wisdom and the agency of his power. The agency of his wisdom and the agency of his power. The Bible talks about how that Christ has become both the wisdom of God and the power of God. So these are the two agencies in God that are, rep that are responsible for anything God is doing. Whatever God does is a function of his power or his wisdom. There is nothing God can do outside of these two agencies of his wisdom and his power. And in a lot of cases, they are very mutually dependent and inclusive. They are not necessarily exclusive of themselves. So they are manifestations of his wisdom that require power. They are manifestations of his power that are underguarded by wisdom. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But God never identifies as any of those things. God is not wisdom. God is not power. All right. God is love. And so the essential producer of those two agencies is love. And all these things will make sense as we begin to go through this teaching stream. Because I believe God wants to establish our hearts in some very fundamental things regarding resurrection, wisdom, and love. These three things will be sort of tied together in this particular teaching. Um, let's start from Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5. The Bible says from verse 5 that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant. And the Bible says he was made in the likeness of a man. And he says, being made in fashion or being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death on the cross. That was Jesus' contribution. Full stop. Wherefore God. Hallelujah. So Jesus contributed his bit. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death. Even the death on the cross, which is the most ridiculous kind of death to die in Israel. He was reserved for the worst of sinners. The worst of criminals. They died the death on the cross. And so he died and humbled himself to die that kind of death. It was excruciating. It was horrible. It was indignifying. It was shameful. All right. He died a death on the cross for you and for me. And Bible says, wherefore God. 
hath then given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow things in heaven, things on earth, and things underneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. But you see, that name could not have been given without resurrection. Because the last thing we hear about the contribution of Jesus is that he died on the cross. But how did God give him a name? God gave him a name that he did not bear before resurrection. <laughs> so he had been bearing Jesus, but not this name that came after he died. Amen. Amen. You see, I, Jesus died and was raised, all right, by the glory of the Father. And then upon resurrection, God gave him a name. Upon resurrection, God gave him a name that is above every name. And by the time you begin to examine the dispensations where this name has authority, you'll realize that two of them, he has no need for it for himself. He's in heaven, he's risen, he's seated at the right hand of God in, in majesty on high. He needs everybody there is already bowing anyways. He doesn't have to say in Jesus anything for anybody to bow to him in heaven. So he does not even need the name in heaven. But the Bible says, at the mention of that name, every knee bows. Things in heaven, things on earth, and things underneath the earth. He's left hell already. He doesn't need the name there, not for himself at least. He's no longer on earth. Who is that name meant for? You see, it's powerful to know that Jesus broke out that name, not for himself. The whole enterprise of getting the name Jesus to make it powerful in three dispensations was never about himself. He was already powerful before, before he came to die on earth. He was already the word of God. He was already powerful across the realms. But there is a name that he had to broker for us. For you and for me. And he had to broker that name to be, to be powerful across three dispensations. The heaven, the earth, and underneath the earth. And there is, there is a mystery behind those three layers of authority. I need you to follow me. Amen. So, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things underneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus will never need to use the word in Jesus' name. Because his presence heralds his glory. He will not need to use his name for anything. Why did he broker that name? He brokered it for you. That name was not for himself. It was for you. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus belongs to you. Ha! It was because of you that he went through all of that. So that you can have access to a name that heaven, earth, and hell respond to. It was because of you. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, which I think is the, is, the, is the bane of our examination today. We need to understand the resurrection message. We need to understand it. We need to understand it. And the Holy Spirit showed me some really amazing things that just blew my mind. Wow. <laughs> the word of God is so sweet. It's so amazing. It's so fresh. It's so new. Bible says, you has he quickened. Verse 1. You'll be, you'll be doing a lot of confession with me as we go along today. Amen. Is that fine? So say, me has he quickened. Say, I am quickened. Wow. As you say those things, something happens to your spirit. Something happens to your spirit. 
your spirit gets excited because you are verbalizing what it already knows. All right, it gets excited. Say me. Mention your name. Has God quickened? Hallelujah. So Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1, Bible says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. You were dead in trespasses and sins, and then he quickened you. How did we know you were dead in trespasses and sins? He said, in time past, you walked according to the cause of this world. Now, there is a cause of this world. Cause means a cause, <laughs> a pathway, amen. You know, back in secondary school, we had this thing called obstacle cause. That means along that path, there are a number of obstacles. And there are obstacles that everyone who follows that course must encounter. Because on that course, it's already predefined the things that have been planted for you to encounter. It's a course that was designed by someone. So the Bible says that before you became born again, there was a course you followed. A lot of people say it's my life. No, anyone who is not born again, there is a devil organizing your life. There is a course of this world. Hallelujah. In time past, you walked according to the cause of this world. You say, he said you walked according to the, the prince of the power of the air. The air is a very powerful instrument in the kingdom of darkness. Almost every single means of communication has an air transmission component. Amen. The ability you have to even use your phone is dependent on the waves that pass through the air. Your ability to hear me, if no matter how much I project without the mic, all right, you wouldn't be able to hear. Your ability to hear me using the aid of this mic is enhanced by the air. Airwaves, the radio, the TV. Bible says it was through the prince of the power of the air that the children of disobedience were governed. You who in time past walked according to the cause of this world. It says according to the prince of the power of the air. He calls it the spirit that walks in the children of disobedience. Anyone who is not born again is inhabited. It is not walking around the children of disobedience. It walks in the children of disobedience. And that was your status before. That was who you were before. In time past you walked according to the cause of this world. You walked according to the pattern that the devil had set for you. You thought you were making your decisions, but it was the devil that was giving you direction and giving you the incentive and the motivation to do everything you did. You walked according to the cause that the devil had made for you. You couldn't walk apart from that cause. You couldn't walk apart from that cause. You had to walk according to that cause because there was a spirit of disobedience that was at work in you. There was the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that walks in the children of disobedience. Bible says this children of disobedience was your former address. That was your company. Among whom also you had your conversation in the past. In the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And Bible says you were by nature the children of wrath. Even as were others. Someone say but God. Can you scream it out loud? Say but God. But God. <laughs> Oh, this is the most powerful phrase in that entire string of scripture. It says, but God, God intercepted that course. You are walking according to the course of this world on a very fast lane to hell, on a very fast lane to degeneracy and spiritual bankruptcy. But God intercepted that pathway. But God, but God, but God, but God, who is rich 
in mercy. For the love wherewith he hath loved us. Hallelujah. He is rich in mercy. But God. This is how we know that love is not a feeling. Do you know who you used to be? This is not a feeling thing. You know when you love a lady. There is something about her. That attracts you to her. There is something. There must be something. You can't just love someone in isolation isn't it? There is something that makes you want to know her more. Then there are qualities you begin to evaluate and check for based on your own values and spiritual standards. And then you begin to decide whether you want to go ahead with that person or not. And a lot of times we think that it was Jesus that took, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that he had no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. He said he had no beauty. All right? There was nothing about him. He said he was rejected and despised of men. We did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. He was despised. And the Bible says we esteemed it not. You think it was Jesus? The reason why that picture is there is because of you. That is a powerful description of your normal and former state. As a matter of fact, Jesus was the kind of person that whenever he's walking on the streets of Galilee and Nazareth, everybody wants to take a selfie with him. Bible says they thronged him. Remember the woman that was with the issue of blood? Jesus never walked without company. He couldn't. He couldn't. He's not the one that was described in Isaiah 55. That was not Jesus. That was you. He had become the figure of sin. So everything that you represent was plastered on him. Jesus is walking on the streets. You think... You say he had no form, no com- Jesus. Nothing more comely than Jesus. No one more attractive than Jesus. A woman robbed eye, broke her alabaster box, robbed his feet with the ointment and with her hair. Wow. He had form, he had comeliness, he had beauty. He had, he had a lot of it. But by the time the Essence of sin that you were in was placed or plastered upon him or pasted upon him or labeled on him. He no longer had form. He no longer had comeliness. He no longer had beauty. He says when we shall see him, he, he has no beauty that we should desire him. Can we read that 3 and 4, Isaiah chapter 53? The next verse. He is despised and rejected of many man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we heed as it were our faces from him. Imagine hiding your face from the person taking up your own image. If you saw the reality of your sinful nature, this is how you would hide your face from it. This was how despicable you were. You had no form nor comeliness. There was nothing desirable about you. You, There was nothing beautiful about you. You were rejected and despised. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we did, as it were, hide our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. This is not the Jesus before the cross. We know everybody wanted to hang out with Jesus. We know everybody was strong in him. They wanted to make him king. He was so cool. People just, remember what we learned about last week, HDD? The previous day, he gave them bread and fish. The next day, they were following him everywhere. For Jesus to have a private time, he has to travel up into the mountain at night and live there early in the morning. Else, they will, they will, they would. By morning, as he's coming down from that mountain, if he does not live early enough, they would have gathered. You are holding a service now, sir. You didn't know, but this is the service. And the moment they knew he was anywhere, they would 
gather around that place in minutes. So much so that there was no space for a man who was bedridden to enter into the space that Jesus was teaching. He didn't, he didn't call for, there was no social media. What kind of a man is that? That he is around somewhere and somebody heard about it. The whole town has heard. The Bible says he went about doing good, healing. All that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. This is not a description of that Jesus. That he had no form, no comeliness. That's not Jesus. You want to hang out with Jesus. Imagine how the woman must have felt. Jesus stopped in his tracks and told her to come. And he called, him, called her daughter, the woman with the issue of blood at the time. Imagine how magnified her status must have become in the hymn. Because Jesus did not heal her alone in her body. He healed her socioeconomic indices. Because she was now a plague to people. And he used this platform. He used his influence as the most influential man in Nazareth at the time. He became a threat to institutions like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were not men, they were institutions. The Sanhedrin Council. These were the people that laid sway. They were the ones that changed the, the balance of power in, this, in the society. These were the guys that controlled the governors, the pilots. It was the Pharisees and the chief priests and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin Council. Jesus, one man, swayed the balance of popularity in a nation. You say that man was not comely. Nothing more comely. No one more comely. But when we look at him upon the cross, he had lost his comeliness. He had lost it all. Because he had become the figure of sin. And we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. And we thought it was for his own offenses. So we hid our faces from him. <laughs> he was dying for you. Yet you couldn't behold him. <laughs> you, should, you should have been the one dying, but he died for you and you, you couldn't behold him. You are ashamed of the shame you had become. And so the Bible says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for the love. Why would, you, why would God love people like us? Why? Why? Why now? Why? Why would you, why would you love us? God who is rich in love. He, he chose you in that state. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are not even upgraded. He chose you while you were dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy for the love wherewith he hath loved us. The Bible says, hath Quickened us together. Let's go to the next verse. Ephesians chapter 2. When we're dead in sins. He said he has what? Quickened us together. For by grace are we saved. So count this. He what? Quickened us together. With Christ. For by grace are we saved. What did he do next? Then he raised us up together. And he didn't stop there. He made us to sit. He made us to do what? To sit together. In heavenly places. Inside the location called Jesus Christ. To the end that in ages to come. He may show forth the exceeding riches of his grace. And his kindness towards us. In Jesus Christ. For by grace are we saved through faith. And that none of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus on a good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Say this after me. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Say I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Look at these three dimensions of together that we see here. It was we were quickened together with Christ. We were raised together with Christ. And then we were made to sit together with Christ. They are not the same thing. Amen. Amen. They're not. They are connected to the three dimensions that Jesus' name has authority. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. So you can be quickened and not raised. So you understand the power of resurrection. Can we pray in the Holy Ghost? Amen. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory to Jesus. As Christians, we need to understand the spiritual truths. We need to understand the spiritual truths. There are some things you will not double into after understanding this message. You won't double into them anymore. God is speaking to you this morning. Let not your heart be hardened. Listen, yield, understand. So he says, you hath he quickened together, raised together, and made to sit together. Why did not just say, you hath he raised, and that would suffice? But he, he, he put a dichotomy. He delineated between being quickened from being raised and then being made to sit together. Because Lazarus was quickened when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he was quickened. But after he was quickened, he needed to be raised because he needed help to be raised. Because he was quickened but looked like a dead man because he was still bound hands and feet in his grave clothes. To be quickened means you are born again. Now, every of these things has happened in a spiritual sense, and that's your spiritual reality, but it requires your faith and your present-day spiritual growth and development to catch up with these respective spiritual realities. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And so the first thing that happened was that you were quickened. You were quickened together with Jesus Christ while he was in the grave. Bible says if you apply faith to that activity, you were also quickened together. You participated in the crucifixion. Galatians 2.20, you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live yet not you, but Christ lives in you. And the life you now live in the flesh, you live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. So while they were crucifying Jesus on the cross, you were also being crucified together with him. And because you were crucified together with him when the power of resurrection rendezvoused at that spot, you were also quickened with him. And so the moment you get born again, you are quickened. Say I'm quickened. The moment you get born again, you are quickened together with Jesus Christ. But the same way Lazarus needed help to be raised. He needed help to be raised from the dead. You also need help because listen, to be raised means you are now walking in the light of the word. But let's go back to quickened a little. Let me describe what it means to be quickened. To be quickened means you are conscious of the life of God in your heart. But you are still bound with the fragrance of sin and death. I see it hard. You have been quickened. You are conscious of the life of God that is in you. So you can provide a clear demarcation between sin and 
holiness. You know when you do wrong, but you are struggling with sin. You are bound hands and foot with grave clothes. You are alive, but you look dead. Because you're, 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 the, the, the eyes of your understanding is yet to be enlightened to the extent of what Christ has done and finished and furnished for you. Even though you have been quickened. You have been quickened. Your spirit has been made alive. Your candle has been lit, but it's still covered under a bushel. So the, the strength of the flesh is still very powerful in your life. So you're a Christian, but you're struggling with pornography. You're a Christian, but you, you, you enjoy sin. You enjoy things that pleasure, they are pleasurable in the sight of the world. That is, you will go to the same place that a worldly person will go to, and you would enjoy worldly things the same way. Even though you're a Christian, but you smell dead. You're a Christian, but you smell dead. You are quickened, but you have not been raised. Because to be raised is to be raised to dominate sin. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. For you are no longer under the law, but under grace. So, he layered the three dimensions. You are still dealing with hellish devils. You have been quickened, but you have not been raised yet. You have been quickened, but you have not been raised. There are a lot of Christians in this category. They have been quickened, they are born again, but they have not been raised. And if they stayed long enough in that state, they will go back dead. Go backslide. Amen. You are quickened. But you're not raised. Because when you're quickened, you're conscious of the life of God. But the effervescence and the fragrance of death is still at work within your members. You're struggling heavily with sinful tendencies and habits. And you know it. So what does it mean to be raised? That's the second level. You need collaborative, saintly contributions to be raised. You can't be raised alone. What did Jesus say to the people around? He says, lose him and let him go. He couldn't be raised by himself. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. What does the Bible say? He said, I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to what? Build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. It is the word of God in the context of the church that raises you up. And gives you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. Anything that makes you or tempts you to be offended at the church or other people within the church context is fighting your inheritance. I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Among that is inheritances are situated within the context of the church. You can't have a certain inheritance except you are located within the context of a saint community. I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. Remember, when he ascended upon high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some pastors or apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that they can do the work of the ministry. He gave them gifts to equip you. So you run away from the place where equipment is given to men who, who are supposed to sort of walk on every member of the church so that they can grow and be raised. Because it's one thing for you to be quickened. It's another thing for you to be raised. You can be quickened in isolation, but you cannot be raised in isolation. You can be quickened in your room, listening to a message, but you cannot be raised in your room. You need someone to equip you. You need someone to raise you. And it is within the context of the church. That is why people go back to being dead. Because they despise the church which was designed to equip them and to raise them. You have he quickened. But that's not enough. He says he raised you together with Jesus Christ. 
So how he performs that present day ministry of raising you is by planting you in local assemblies where he has anointed men and women who have utterance and inspiration from the Holy Ghost and are yielded to the leading of the Holy Ghost to begin to equip you with the word of God at seasons in your life. And that is why it does appear that I'm talking to everybody even though I'm talking to just one person in, in that sense. You understand? I'm coming here, I'm teaching, and after services, people come and tell me, it's like you are talking to me. I mean, I'm not talking to anybody, but I seem to be talking to everybody because that is exactly what the power in the Word of God can do. Once it is energized by utterance, it is talking to everybody, even though everybody's listening to pretty much the same thing. But it's talking to you respectively, speaking to your specific situations and conditions. Hallelujah. And that only happens within the context of the church. You can't edify yourself. You can't raise yourself. You can't possess your possessions by yourself. Upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance and holiness. Obadiah 117. And the house of Jacob shall possess. You see the community context for every possession. The house of Jacob, not one man. The house of Jacob equips the saints for the work of the ministry. Until we all, look at that, until we all. Grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That means there is a certain level of collaborative growth that must happen for any one of us to attempt growing. There is a level of collaborative raising. I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. This is what it means to be raised. You can be quickened in isolation, but you cannot be raised in isolation. Anything that helps you fight the church or the community of saints is fighting your inheritance. That means there are things that God has bequeathed to you, has your name written on it, but you will never use it because you despise the context within which it is shared. Hallelujah. So it is an attack to your Christian values and the inheritance that God has earmarked for you if you begin to listen to things that make you a bit biased against the church. You are biased against your inheritance. You are biased against your possessions. There are things that will still be lurking in your life that just associating with the church could eliminate without even praying. Just enter into the community of saints and you're washed. Just enter and the word of God just comes. Some decisions will just not be made. Some negative outcomes will not just happen because there is a covering. The other day someone reached out to me and said, thank you for your counsel. I'm like, which, I, I do, is it thank you for your counsel? And I don't even know which particular one. But that's exactly what happens when the Holy Ghost is the one leading the orchestra of the church. Because everybody's needs will be met at the instance of the Holy Ghost. The inspiration, the utterance will meet with you. Like I said last week, there are some things I would not have said if you didn't show up in church. The moment you come into church, there is a tug on the anointing. There is a pull on the anointing. Because I am speaking here right now by utterance. I didn't premeditate many of the things that I'm saying. I have a plan. I have a note. But I allow myself to flow by the leading of the Holy Ghost. Because as our faces are different, so are our conditions and our situations. But everyone is receiving the one word that would manifest in different platforms and expressions in every single person's life. That's the power of utterance. That's the power of the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And that only happens when you submit to a local assembly. And be raised. Because when you are raised, the word of God has equipped you. He said, I speak to you young men because you know the word. And you have overcome the evil one. Where do you get equipment to grow in the word? It's in the church. That's how you are raised. You can be quickened in isolation, but you cannot be raised in isolation. So when you are quickened and not raised, you will still be 
looking like a dead man, even though you are quickened. There is life inside of you. You are conscious of the life of God. But there are so many external factors that are keeping you bound. You cannot express that life. Because on the external, people are seeing dead people. People are seeing dead man. People are seeing a man that is bound in hands and his feet. Bound in grave clothes. Even though he is living inside. And this is what happens when a Christian does not grow. He's born again for this is the fifth year. You are still struggling with some things. You are quickened. You have not been raised. Because when you are raised, you are raised above a certain dispensation of sin. A certain level of sin. You are being raised. You are being raised. But that only comes when you participate within the context of the church. Participate in the local assembly. Where God has given people equipment for your growth. Why did you think he equipped the pastors and the teachers and the apostles and the prophets? For themselves? For you, for the saints. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he said he didn't stop there. God didn't stop there. Hallelujah. It would have been sufficient if he just quickened us and enraged us. He said, no, you're still going higher. I'm going to make you to sit together. He quickened us together. He raised us together. Now he's going to make us sit together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. That perspective is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That place where you are seated, that is the spirit of wisdom and revelation at work. When you sit at that place, it's like where God is sitting to see the affairs of men. That's where you are sitting to. And you are seeing what God is seeing. So the things that are making the mortal men cry on earth, what will he make you do? You laugh because you see outcomes. You see outcomes. You see outcomes because you know that all things are working together for your good. So if you get to that realm in prayer, glory to God, as you're praying and you're interceding and you're praying, God will just give you a now revelation of that perspective in the realm of the spirit. Then you will come down to the earth and start acting like one who is seated. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? So you are in an experience, but you don't know the outcome. Hallelujah. Then you enter into your Hilesho Agbara. You go into that place that is far above principalities and powers and dominion and might in the place of prayer. Then God shows you a perspective about the outcome of things and how that all these things that you're going through is working together for your good. Then you come back into that experience and instead of being in sorrow and being in pain and being depressed, you then begin to burst into laughter and joy and just getting excited because he that sits in the heaven, there is no, there is nothing that gets him victory. He that sits in, the, in the heavens is in a perpetual season of rest and tranquility and peace because all outcomes have been decided at that realm. Nothing is being worked on in heaven. Everything in heaven is finished. So when you sit at that realm, you see outcomes. Then you come back into the experience of mortal men and begin to act like an heavenly man. Because you have seen the outcome of things. That is that realm called wisdom and revelation. That is where God wants us to get to. It is that realm. When we are seated together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians 1 from verse 17 says, Far above principalities and powers and dominion and might. And every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He says, we are seated together. So if you peep into heaven right now, it's only Jesus you see seated. You are seated beside him. But many of us have shielded that perspective away from our experience. You are not seeing from that realm. So you act like people who are only quickened. 
but not raised and not yet seated. There is a level of dominion mandate you will walk in when you begin to see things at the realm of seated together in heavenly places. So you can be raised and then you have dealt with sin and all its issues, but you are not having dominion yet because you are not seated. And that is where some people stay and die. Holiness alone, holiness alone, but there is a mandate of dominion. And that mandate of dominion will not be possible until you begin to sit in some places where you have been seated in the realm of the spirit, but your experience has to catch up with where you are seated in heaven. The Bible says you are seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. At that point, sin cannot even have dominion over you anymore. You know, shame, depression. You, 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 you see with God. Ah, you see as God sees. You are seated together. That is why he used that word together there. That is why it's there. He didn't just say you are quickened. He didn't just say you are raised. He said together. Whatever happened to Jesus happened to you. Whatever happened to Jesus in resurrection happened to you. And when Jesus was... So for Jesus to be raised up to that point, he had to be quickened, he had to be raised, and then he was seated. And all those three dimensions of experiences happened to you as well. But you will enter into those realms by revelation, by understanding, by meditation, by understanding what Christ did and finished. Are we still together? So he says, you have been made to sit together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places to the end that in ages to come, he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus on the good works. What is the good works? What is the good works? So, so, so you see these three layers. This quickened, raised, and seated. There is something you need to have that will transcend you from these levels to the next level to the next level. Are you ready to understand what that means now? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Eh? So let's draw the coordinates to Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. Ephesians 3 verse 14, you mean? I mean, look at Paul. Why would you want to pray and then say, Lord, ah, I bow my knees. Like, he was so dramatic about it because of the weight of what he was about to pray for. He says, for this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant unto you to be strengthened by his spirit in your inner man. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, look at faith and love again. It says, so that you being rooted and grounded in love. It says you will be able to comprehend with all the saints. There is a level we can question your saintliness, all right, based on your lack of understanding of these things. It says the minimum expectation of saints is that they understand these things. It says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. That you may know the love of God that passes understanding. How do you know what you cannot know? How do you know what you cannot know? It says that you may know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That means the fullness of God is understanding love away. Let me say that again. The fullness of God is in understanding God. That is, the fullness of God, if there was a metric for understanding the SI unit of understanding love, the fullness of God is just that metric away from fullness. 
Did you get what I just said? I'll say it again. Sorry. He says, that you may know the love of God that passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That means what admits you into the fullness of God is understanding love. You don't understand. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. But once you are able to understand and break into this dimension of love, it says you will be filled with the fullness of God. What does it mean to have the fullness of God? That is, fullness comes when you understand love. This fullness is also expressed in that understanding that God has where he sits. When you sit at that place where God is seated, that is what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. It is a manifestation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But it says what brings you into that stature is an understanding of the love of God. Like I'll remove my suit. Because like I'm hitting a brick wall. <laughs> Already, sorry, not, not yet. So let's pray in tongues. Let's pray in tongues. I see later, man. Wow. Wow. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We're ready for meat now, isn't it? We're ready. You can't be in this church for three and a half years. I am not ready to receive these things. They are simple, but these are the mysteries. They are simple. It's the love of God I'm still talking about. It's the love of God. He's saying here that he's praying. Ephesians 3, 4, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant unto you to be strengthened with might by spirit in your inner man. He says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, which, is, which has already happened when you were quickened. All right, You were quickened and Christ dwelled in your heart by faith. But he says, there is now another level that you need to go to. You need to be rooted and grounded in love. It is to the extent that you are rooted and grounded in love, you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints. Because it's an expectation for saints to comprehend this love. So you are rooted and you are grounded in love. And you are able to comprehend with all other saints. Every saint. Every saint must understand this thing. If you, are, if you don't understand it, we can question your saintliness. We can question your sainthood. We can question it. So he says, you need to understand it with all the saints. What is the length, the breadth? The depth and the height. And I know that that is quite a scope to cover because it's an endless ocean. Do you understand? It's, the love of God is massive. So he says you need to continue to excavate more dimensions of the love of God in all its dimensions. The length, the breadth, the depth, the height. To the extent that you are excavating and understanding more of this love, it is to that extent that you are filled with the fullness of God. The fullness of God is not necessarily a destination but a quantum of God that you have and possess. Do you understand? So it's not like once you have the fullness of God, that's the end of your experiences in God. But to the extent that you have excavated sufficient understanding in love, it is to that extent that the fullness of God encapsulates that knowledge inside of you. And when that fullness enters, 
Verse 20 happens. Now, unto him. There is a level of faith and love you will get to. Your asking and your thinking will become irrelevant. He says, when this fullness comes, he says, now unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly far above all you could ask or think, but it is according to the power of the understanding of love that is at work inside you. It is according to the power of the love that you understand that is at work inside of you, which is what has brought the fullness of God, which is what has made the fullness of God the one that is actively at work in your life, not necessarily what you are saying or thinking. There is a way a man will walk in love and there will be a manifestation of the fullness of God in everything he does beyond the things he says or thinks. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly and far above all we could ask or think. According. That is the manifestation of God in that person's life. Will not be according to the limitation of his asking or his thinking. This is where God wants us to be. Where you are not only getting results of your confessions. There is that level there, and that's fine. But you are not only getting results of your confessions. Because there are people you can ask now that the things that God is doing in their lives. They never asked for it. They've, they've not asked God one of those things. But those things are manifesting at the frequency of the fullness of God that is at work within them because they understand the love of God. And he says, this should be your own life's pursuit to understand the dimensions of the love of God. When you understand this love of God, he says you'll be filled with the fullness of God. You'll be walking and somebody will just say, I just got healed though. You didn't even have the opportunity to pray for the person to be healed. But the more you understand in the love of God, the more of the fullness of God enters into your life. And when that fullness enters into your life, there will be manifestations of the exceeding abundantly and far above consistently. Hmm. The fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly and far above. All that we ask or think. So you can ask and receive, seek and find. But there is a dimension that answers you beyond what you can ask or think. So God is responding to your revelation and not your, your, your questions or your requests. He's responding to the revelation in your heart about his love. This is why when you love... Because you understand love. Because that's how you can love. You, you can't love without understanding. <laughs> you have to understand love to love. People that do not love don't understand. That's why they don't love. When you understand, you will love. Because you understand. So when you love, because you understand, God will manifest beyond your wildest dreams and imagination. Because he knows that whatever he manifests through you and in you will redound and abound and be a blessing to many other people. Because 
God wants to bless so many people. He needs vessels who understand his love to a certain extent to manifest his fullness through them to the world. So he can no longer be relying on the questions and the requests of those people he wants to flow through. He just needs them to be people that he can use as conduits because they understand the love of God. And then he will flow through them to the blessing of nations. Amen. So the Bible says there is a length, there is a breadth, there is a depth, and there is a height to the love of God. So let's, let's check that a little. What does that mean? Let's check that a little. What does that mean? What does the length mean? What does the breadth mean? What does the depth mean? Because it says you need to know these things to then gain perspective and gain access to the fullness of God. You may need to listen to this teaching again and then... Carry your Bible, you know, do some commentaries, go through all of the scriptures that I've quoted, and then read it all over again, because this is what will establish your life in God. This is how God can say, in 50 years' time, you will still be in Christ. If you don't understand the love of God, you are not rooted. Winds can blow you. It is your understanding of the love of God that keeps you rooted and grounded. And when you are rooted and grounded, you are stranded, isn't it? That's what it means to, to be you have removed every possibility of escaping God. You can't escape away from God anymore because you are rooted and grounded in love. And when you are rooted and grounded, you are stranded. And that's what the Bible says. It is love that constrains. It keeps us in one spot. We can't go anywhere because we, we know the love of God. We are rooted and grounded. When people don't understand the love of God, they become very malleable and they, they, they are responsive to the vicissitudes of life. These are the people that will come and be telling God, God, if you do this, I will do this. These are the people that will tell God, God, where were you when this happened? Because they don't understand the love of God. So the first thing that is a collateral damage whenever they go through crisis is the love component. They say, God does not love me because I'm going through this. They use situational circumstances to judge the faithfulness and the love of God towards them. Whereas resurrection is the only proof. And that has already happened. Ah. <sighs> He raised him from the dead. Not for himself. He was in heaven before. He didn't raise him for himself. He raised him from the dead for you. He got a name for you. So that he could quicken you together. So he was in heaven but he was without you. So he came to this earth. Came, died, all of that. And then went back with you. That's what he did. So resurrection is the proof that God has exalted you. And given you access to a name that is greater than every other name. So he says, if you're not rooted and grounded, you're going to be, you're going to just be floating like Simon, a reed shaken by the wind. You won't be rooted, you won't be grounded. And he says, when you're rooted and you're grounded, it's because you understand the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. So my understanding, what does these things mean? What do these things mean? The length of God refers to the length and the distance he's willing to go to sacrifice for his own. So if you can calculate, for example... The distance between heaven and earth. You probably understand the length of his love. It talks about the distance of sacrifice. How far you are willing to go. How far. And he says, <laughs> you need to understand it. If you don't understand it, you can't be rooted and grounded. Because you will take for granted. You will use Jesus for skit. You, you, you will laugh at jokes that use Jesus for skit. Because you don't understand the love of God. For you, the love of God is to pamper you. That's the love of God. You don't judge the love of God by any ephemeral metric. Else, you will get a wrong result. 
you look at the word of God and how he has chosen to manifest to you as an expression of his love as the only indices that tells you that God loves you. This is why the apostles were willing to die even when they were martyred and they were dying by grace. They didn't die thinking that God was unjust to them. They already finished it, that this God, he loves me. This is just a token of my appreciation. And they died like that. Because they never allowed anything in this world to tamper with their revelation of what they knew about God's love towards them. There is nothing that can get the love of God out of you if you understand this thing. They will threaten you. You can't stop following Jesus. You can't stop because you have gone beyond what the realm of the mortals can touch. They can't use anything to negotiate a way of you to compromise. They can't because if it is anything, there is, you have gone above those realms. You are rooted and now you are grounded. So what is the length? It talks about the distance that God was willing to go to save you. That's the length. That's the length. And in your life, you must also have a shepherd context. You must also have a context with which you go to lengths to demonstrate the love of God to people. Because God must be able to flow through you. God can no longer show up in this earth in a physical form. So he's waiting for, thank God, and Rachel, and Olamide, and Tosi, and Sheo, all right, and peace, and, and Obina. To express himself. So if you do not have the love that he has in the understanding of the love of God, there is a limit to how much God can flow on earth. Do you understand? So it is through the church he has preeminence. So it is through the understanding of the church about his love that he can have preeminence. So if the church never understands the love of God, it will look like God never happened on earth. God will not have an earthly expression. So it is to the extent that the church understands the love of God that God can flow through the church to the world. Are we still together? This is why understanding the love of God is what invites the fullness of God. Because when the fullness of God comes, he wants to manifest and do a lot of things for humanity. But when you are stifling that fullness by not understanding his love, even when the fullness comes, you will consume it on your lust. You use it to raise offerings in the middle of a miracle service. You will do things to put a spotlight on yourself. You will not love the people with it because that is what God uses his fullness to do. He uses it to love people. And he used that fullness to raise Jesus from the dead. But we'll get there eventually. Amen. You have not seen miracles in your life. Increase your love for God. Let it manifest through your love to men. You will see miracles you didn't pray for. Because this fullness comes at the instance of the love revelation in your heart. Not at the instance of what you are asking or thinking. Amen. It has a length. It has a breadth. It has a depth. It has a height. The length is the distance that God is willing to go to save you. The breadth is the multiplied diversity of people that that love covers. The breadth talks about coverage. So if you're the kind of person that you have people you, you, you roll with, you are not yet understanding the fullness of this love. You can't be resonating with this love of God and have class and have people that you roll with. And have, this, this is my kind of people. These are the kind of people that I can help, I can love, I can be a blessing to. You, you don't understand the love of God yet. If, if you hung around Jesus, you'll find all kinds of people across all the strata of economy. There, there, was nothing and, there was nothing that was a basis for discrimination around Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. So, lot were around him. Tax collectors were around him. Kings were around him. All right? There was, rich were there. Poor were there. Middle class. Any kind of person, as long as you were willing to be there, you could be there. Because his love had breath. His love had coverage. It was not only to the Jews, it was to the Gentiles as well. 
So, are you the, and, and the moment a nation is able to get to this level, they will see the kind of prosperity they didn't want to ask for. <laughs> when you are able to give access to positions not based on ethnicity, color of skin, you will see an abundance of manifestation of prosperity. Because people now understand that there is a standard that is equitable, that is fair. And once I'm able to mix this standard, I can assume the highest position in this land. So there's going to be an incentive for all kinds of people to continue to ascribe or attach. Uh, what's the word now? To aspire. Good. Thank you for that word. To aspire to the highest position, which means they will continue to improve their standards, which is good for the entire nation. But by the time they know that there is nothing they can do to get to this level, it doesn't matter how competent they are. They can never get to a certain level. It demotivates everybody around them and disincentivizes them to aspire. But that's a totally different kettle of fish. You get my gist. The way Joseph was able to become a prime minister in Egypt... If a nation can become like that, then they will become the world power. That's what happens. That you are an ex-convict, you know, do you understand? And you are the prime minister. Because you can do the job. That's all. You can do the job. You are an ex-convict. You have a track record in jail. But you can interpret the dream that if we put somebody who has track record in Pharaoh, who has never been an ex-convict, but cannot save us after the seven years of abundance, we would all die. There will be no Egypt again. So there's no need to be sentimental about it. Somebody who wants to drive your plane, you won't ask, are you from my state? Can you drive this plane? Can you fly us? That's all that matters, isn't it? The moment a nation can rise above bigotry and ethnicity, they will, they will harness a certain power of prosperity. They would, they would just harness it, like how Babylon, and because Babylon went to look for the best. They didn't check their faces. They just, who were the best? Come, come. Art, literature, science, all of that. They just brought all of them, and then they built Babylon. And that's how they became a world power. That's how Pharaoh became a world, world power, or Egypt became a world power, because a, a Joseph could become prime minister. A Joseph, who had been slave boy to the chief guard. So the chief guard was now a subordinate in the same system. Pharaoh was not there. I mean, Potiphar was not there. His wife was still at large. <laughs> right. So in your company, do you discriminate? We're still going to tie it up with re resurrection, so just chill. Because hmm? some of you are this is Easter, oh, for God's sake, pastor. We'll get there. Your love must have length. There must be distances you have gone for people that if you check the reason why you are doing that thing, there is nothing, re there is nothing of your own self-interest that is the reason why you are doing it. You are doing it because you love people. Simple. And your love must get to that level. You are doing things absolutely for no other reason than because there is love in your heart to give. That's all. And there is love in your heart to give because you received it by revelation. Because you understand the love of God towards you. So you are, that's filled your heart with so much fullness. The only thing it can do is to flow through others. Do you understand? So it needs to have length. So if you're the kind of person that feels like this is a little too much to do for a person, you don't understand the love of God because by the time you examine what God did for you, it's too much. Why would God do this for a person? Like, why? Me? I had no comeliness. But he did all of that. He was rich in mercy. Because of his love, he had towards me. He decided to love me in spite of my own frailties. You will go lengths for people. You will be a blessing. Then your love would also have breath. Breath is the coverage where you're not discriminating against people. You're not saying, these are the kind of people that 
should hang around me. And that's why when you get into the worldly system, there is class. Ah, it is heavily stratified. Once you want to be playing by the rules of the world, there are places you can't go. If you go, you can't talk. If you talk, you can't talk loud. Do you understand? Because the, the, the level of stratification over there, the class is so evident. But in, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, no male, no female, no born, no free. You enter into the kingdom of God and you don't know hierarchies anymore. You only see Christ. That's the level of love we should have as Christians. Where we are not trying to compete, trying to get ahead. There is no ahead anybody. There's nobody that is ahead or behind. Everybody is only happy when everybody has grown. When everybody is blessed. When everybody is edified, strengthened, encouraged. That level of breadth and coverage. Where we are not trying to grow at the expense of another person. Your love must have breath. Your love needs to have depth as well. What, what, what was the depth in Jesus? That he went to hell and experienced our own punishments. It talks about empathy and entering into people's shoes. It's not enough to love people from afar and send money. Enter into their experiences. There is a hell he saved us from. So where we would have gone, he went there and tasted death for every man. That's what the Bible says. He tasted death. He didn't have to. He was not the one that sinned. We were the sinners. But he tasted death for every man. Your love needs to have depth. You need to exp- So you can't be saying you love from afar. You just, it's this very distant, superior, prideful love. Just sort yourself out. Sort yourself out. You need to enter into people's experiences. This, this is the kind of love that God can ride, all right, with his fullness to the world. Are we still together? So there is a length to that love. There is a breadth to that love. There is a depth to that love. And the Bible says there is also a height to that love. So this love is not just comfortable, empathizing with your lowly estate. It never keeps you there. It takes you to the next level. So he's able to empathize with you in your lowest state, come visit with you in that state, understand what you went through. He understands what you feel. This is why there is no feeling of struggle, guilt that you want to have today that Jesus did not experience and taste on your behalf. Seeing that we have a high priest who has passed into heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he says, let us hold fast our profession for we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He may not have contributed his action to doing the sin that you are doing, but he felt the guilt that you felt after you did the sin. Amen. Praise God. So, the feelings of our infirmity, he felt every ounce of those feelings on the cross of Calvary because his love is that deep. But he didn't keep us there. He took us far above principalities and powers and dominion and might and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Ephesians 1 talks about how that he has put all things under his feet and he has made him to be head of all things, even to the church. The fullness of him. The church is described as the fullness of him. That means our primary preoccupation as the church is to understand the love of God and to constantly act consistent with the level of revelation of love that we have. To the extent that we act consistent with the level of revelation of the love of God that we have, it is that extent that the fullness would empower us and endure us to minister to the world around us. Because the church cannot afford to be a lengthless lover. We can't afford to be a breathless lover. We can't afford to be a deathless lover. It is to the extent that our love can go far that Jesus can go far. It is to the extent that our love has no boundary. It covers everyone that Jesus can have preeminence. 
It says to the extent that our love has depth, that it can go so intense, such that it can help people come out of that situation. So when people are going through hard times, they're going through struggles, depression, do you go there with pride? Or you go there with that sense of empathy that I understand how you feel. And that's why I've said that homosexuality is a sin and it's something that the word of God is very clear about. But when I see one, I will empathize and I will bring you to a place of truth. You speak the truth in love because if the church does not respond in love, there is no hope for any man. The church is the only place where there is no discrimination for any of your antecedents before you enter. Every other place, we check your track record, we check your CV. Whether it's political office, whether it's your, your workplace, we, we have to check your antecedents. But the church is not permitted to check where you're coming from. We don't care because the blood is more powerful than your history. It will wash you clean right now. All we need to just do is to understand that, see, are you willing? Are you willing to dive into this blood? And then we teach you, we, we communicate the word of God to you. No matter how deeply rooted in sin, pornography, addiction, sexual promiscuity, immorality, and all those things it may be, there is a space for you in, in Jesus. There is a space for you. They've not all taken the space and people like you are no longer... No, 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 no. There's still space for you, your type, your exact type. In fact, the seat has your number on it. Yes, your exact type. There's a space for you in Jesus Christ. And the church must be a manifestation of that. We cannot afford to have a Jesus saying one thing and the church is saying another thing because we are the ground and pillar of his truth. So whatever we are not saying, he is not saying too. Do you understand? If people want to hear Jesus, they have to hear him through the church. So it is to the extent that we understand the love, I mean the length, the breadth, the depth and the height that we can manifest the fullness of God to a generation that is dying. Hallelujah. So the height. So when you are trying to be a blessing to someone, are you, just, are you just trying to help someone so that you can feel superior? Remember the guy that gave his body to be burned and still did not have love? Because he wanted to be honored in death. That was why he gave his body to be burned. He gave all his goods to the poor so that he would have a reputation among the poor. The reason why he was doing all of those things was not because he loved the people, but because he loved himself and he wanted a reputation as somebody that loved, which is not love. You can want to have a reputation as a lover and not be a lover. <laughs> yes. So, he did all of that for himself. Height talks about how that you're not willing to keep people at the level that you met them. So when you meet people, when you, meet, when you make friends, you know, and a lot of these motivational speaks, um, speeches... They are diametrically opposed to the love of God, but sometimes we, we, we're not conscious of them. When it comes to friendships and relationships, don't just go to places where people have equal densities as you. So what's the hope for people who are operating at a lower density of relationship with God? What's their hope of ever coming to stature if somebody who is higher than them never visits with them? Are you hearing what I'm saying? What you must be is to be stronger in yourself such that even when you go to a place of lower density, you are still the one that will pull them up. They are not the ones that will pull you down. You must be the one that is strong. It is a sign of weakness to assume that once you come close to someone that is lower, you will be the one that is affected. It's a sign of weakness. You don't trust the power in the blood that has brought you over. You don't trust in the power of your consecration. Why would Jesus come to a dying world if he only wanted to roll with people that had this capacity? Why would he come to a dying world and he never died? He would, he would come to a dying world and he never sinned. He would come to a dying world and he was never corrupted for one day. It was the power of the divine life that was at work within him. 
So he came to a world and he turned all of them to his side. That's the kind of strength we must have in our... In our so when people say, if you are a sinner, don't come, it's because you lack faith in the blood. You have more faith in, this, in the power of sin to corrupt everybody in your church than in the power of the blood to purify everyone that is coming in. That's why you are so afraid of being contaminated. He that had this will purifies himself. Are we still together? So, be careful the things, the, the policies you, you run your life with. Those policies don't touch lives. They just recycle wealth amongst the already wealthy. They recycle wealth. They don't, they don't elevate. They don't, they don't bring people up to statures. What kind of story would you like to watch? A story of someone who was always wealthy and then became a little wealthier. Or a story of a man who was in the miry clay. And the Bible talks about this through David. And the Bible says he set his feet upon the rock. And he made him to sit among princes to inherit glory. That was, that's the story of redemption. That he went into our state and then he brought us up. He didn't say, I, I only roll with the kings. Oh. Royalties are my friends. I don't do people of low estate. Is that the kind of love you have? Where you discriminate. You just look at someone, you look at his shoe. This is the seventh time you're wearing this shoe. Bros, you can't be my friend. Say, you're not a startup founder. You can't be my friend. Uh, you're you not a tech bro. You can't be my friend. Does, does your love elevate people? Can you smear on them your dignity? Rather than be afraid that they will smear on you their lowliness. Amen. The length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. Ah. Amen. Let's tie this up. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. The things I'm saying today are very powerful and I hope you're hearing them. Look at 1 John chapter 2. You will see some things that will shock you. 1 John chapter 2 from verse 9. Look at that. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother. Simply put, does not love his brother. Bible says he's inside darkness even until now. God verifies your understanding of the resurrection message by your love walk. He that saith he is in light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in light and there is none occasion of stumbling. Which is the pathway to wisdom and revelation where you never stumble. You just have the light of life in yourself. But he says what gets you into that stature is love. If you love your brother, you can't stumble. If love is the guiding principle that, that you engage in making every decision, you can't stumble. That's what the Bible is saying here. If every of your decisions is inspired by love and not gain, he says you can't stumble. 1 John 2, 9, verse 10, he says, He that loveth his brother abideth in life, and there is no occasion of stumbling him. But he that hateth his brother is what? Is in darkness and walks in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. So you see why Paul is asking for you to grow in faith and love? Before you can begin to pray for light to govern your eyes. Because if you do not love, you are still in darkness. It doesn't matter how many times people pray for you to be increasing in wisdom and revelation. So, you can be blind and be praying for wisdom and revelation and you are still blind because you don't walk in love. Your love does not have length. It does not have breath. It does not have depth. It does not have height. Therefore, you do not know the love of God that passes all understanding. Therefore, you are not filled with the fullness of God. Therefore, you are still struggling because 
Everything you have, you have to ask and ask and think and think and ask. There is no fullness of God flowing through you that is triggering the power of God, which is exceedingly abundantly and far above. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth. That means when you do not have love, wisdom and revelation is far from you. Let's quickly check 1 John chapter 3 from verse 14. This is powerful. He says, we know that we are passed from death to life. Because we love the brethren. Wow. 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 We know that we are passed from death to life. Because we love. We are the living manifestations of resurrection. I'll say that again. You and I are supposed to be the living manifestation of resurrection. We know that you are passed from death to life. Because you love. If you do not love, we can question your the quickening. We can question your being raised. We can question your sitting together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. We know you have passed from death to life because, because you love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother. Hi. Read it. He that loveth not his brother is what? He abides in death. You are abiding in death. So how you go from being quickened to being raised to being seated is by growing your love. The more you love, the more you abide in life and in light and in wisdom and in revelation. If you do not love your brothers, Bible says you are still abiding in death. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And anyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not Knoweth not God, for God is love. If you do not love people, you don't know God. It doesn't matter how many times you read your Bible. It doesn't matter how many times you pray. If you do not love people, you don't know God. God verifies that you have passed from death to life by how much you love the brethren. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 from verse... The four now and five. It says, therefore, as we're buried by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, he said we should also walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. There is a love life that is characterized by people who understand resurrection. That you are able to love is because you believe in resurrection. The world cannot love the way Christians can love. The Bible says the Gentiles love only people that love them. Because they have not been raised from the dead. Your spirit man can respond. Even when your flesh is, is being stimulated to respond. Your spirit man can respond. And only Christians have the power to circumnavigate the need to retribute, to revenge, to react. Only people who are led by the spirit can do that. The proof that resurrection happened is that you are loving people. That's the proof that resurrection happened. We are supposed to be living manifestations of resurrection. There is a newness of life that God is calling us to live in. There is a newness of life. So it's not just enough for you to be quickened, be conscious of life. You need to be raised. You need to sit. And your ticket through these three ranks is love. The more you love, the more you grow in the fullness of God. The more you grow in the knowledge of God, the more God can flow through you with his power and his grace. I hope you are blessed. <laughs> Can we bow our heads tonight? This morning. Still morning.
Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Like Paul prayed for the church. He says, for this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant unto you, according to his riches in glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Can you ask for God to strengthen your to strengthen your inner man by his spirit? Ask God to strengthen your inner man by his spirit. Ask God to strengthen your inner man by his spirit. Come on, do that right now. Ask God to strengthen your inner man by his spirit. You're strengthened with might by God's spirit in your inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So that you are rooted and grounded in love. So ask God to root you and ground you in love. (laughs) Ask God to constrain your heart in love. Ask God to root you and ground you in love. We know you have passed from death to life when you love the brethren. Wow. We know that you have experienced resurrection. What's the point of Jesus dying over 2,000 years ago if people are no longer witnessing the resurrection in the lives of those that he died for? People must continue to witness resurrection through you because resurrection is not supposed to be a historical event. It's supposed to be a living reality, a present-day living reality. So ask God to root you and ground you in love. Ask God to root you and ground you in love. And ask God to help you comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the depth, the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. Ask God to elongate the distance that you can go for God's people. Ask God to to widen the coverage of your love. Ask God to deepen the intensity of your love. And ask God to heighten the height of your love. The heights to which you can raise men. The heights to which you can be a blessing. And that's why this height cannot be possible without prosperity. And that's why we need to understand the meeting point of the gospel and prosperity. This is the meeting point. Because how do you raise people from a situation of hell to heaven without understanding how to navigate? How to have resources that can help transfer, translate, transform people's lives? You need prosperity to be able to elevate the standard of living of people. You need prosperity. You need a lot of prosperity. But you see, when you're asking for prosperity just for yourself, that is why God has not been giving you. Because he wanted to consume it all on your lust. But if you understand the reason why God will manifest his fullness... It is so that you can be a conduit of his love. Then he would empower you with grace to give height to people of low estate. Because that's the only way he can give height. Having preached the gospel to people, you need to feed people. Where is the love in your heart? If your brother comes to ask you for food and you cannot even give because you are even struggling yourself. That's the place of prosperity so that it can extend as God's fullness to people who are suffering. But a lot of us just want to use it as a means of clout to just get clout and stuff and that's not the pathway of sons that's not the pathway of sons that's not the pathway of sons oh father we give you praise in jesus name we have prayed i challenge you to listen to this teaching once again number one number two read every portion of scripture that i quoted and ask god for revelation And ask God to inspire you to be an extension of his love to a dying world. Like I said while we're praying, that the height of the love of God is not possible without prosperity. It means you can only empathize with people who are suffering. You really can't help them. You can't elevate their standards because you don't even have for yourself. And so there is a level of prosperity you need to be an extension of the height of the love of God. So that you can elevate people from lower experiences to higher experiences by the expression of the love of God in your heart. 
But you need to understand these things. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We ask that as we go forth to manifest resurrection, we ask that everyone around us get a fragrance of the knowledge of God's goodness through us in every place in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for Easter. Thank you, Father, because if you had not been raised, our faith is futile. Our belief is in vain. But thank you, Father, because you didn't stay dead. And we are grateful we've gathered here today to celebrate the resurrection, to celebrate Easter. And we ask that the living reality of resurrection will never depart from our lives this moment and onwards in Jesus' precious name. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.